Welcome to F This Weekly, the podcast for and about the ladies and anyone who gives an F. I'm Paula Mardo. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for the newsletter at fthisweekly.com slash getfedup. Today, I'm effing with Tess Paras, a Los Angeles-based actress, writer, and producer. After graduating from New York University, Tess went on to perform in musicals, Broadway plays, and on television. She studied acting at primary stages and improv comedy at the Upright Citizens Brigade. She continues to perform at the Upright Citizens Brigade in Los Angeles. Tess was a cast member and writer for the 2014 CBS Diversity Sketch Comedy Showcase. She writes, acts, and produces videos for F Comedy, a YouTube channel with the Fusion Network. She has also starred and produced, for lack of a better word, viral videos such as Typecast, a musical parody of the hit pop song Royals by Lord, that satirizes racial stereotypes in the media, and Make Your Face Great Again, a parody video on makeup tutorials and Donald Trump. Tess has had guest starring roles on NBC's Grimm and USA Network's White Collar. She currently plays a recurring role as Jayma Chan on The CW's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, a musical dramedy about a young woman who abandons a top job at a law firm and her life in New York City in an attempt to find love in the unlikely locale of West Covina, California. The young woman, Rebecca Nora Bunch, is played by Rachel Bloom, who is also the show's creator. Her love interest and ex-boyfriend is Josh Chan, played by Vincent Rodriguez III. Josh is Filipino-American, and he and his family are featured prominently on the show as Rebecca tries to win his heart as well as his family's. Josh's mom is played by renowned Asian-American actress Amy Hill. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has been praised for its portrayal of Filipinos on screen, including a well-reviewed Filipino family Thanksgiving episode. The season finale is this coming Monday and revolves around the wedding of Tessa's character Jema. The episode will also feature a special guest star, Leia Salonga. This is episode 23. Here we go. On my way to Miami, I see Welcome to the show, Tess. Hello, thank you for having me. So I'm going to start off with a question I ask all my guests. Okay. Where are you really from? Where am I really from? Um, I think the place that I claim the most, even though I'm not even really from there. I spent 12 years of my life in New York. Uh, I think those were my formative years. I was raised in Oak Park, California, and I hated it. So I think that's why I flew 3,000 miles across the country to try and find something else that was going on. Um, So I guess where I'm really from is just a reaction to where I was from, (laughs) if that makes sense. It does, but why do you hate, or why did you hate Oak Park so much? Um, I think I just knew that it wasn't really, uh, going to high school there was like a lot of children of the industry here in LA. And I think that kind of mindset of, um, privilege and it was a very a lacking in diversity I was you know one of like two Filipino kids one of maybe six minorities in my graduating class and at all um, and it was not necessarily I knew I had to get out 
I just, I wasn't happy there. And, um, yeah, so I did the best I could in high school of just trying to be that like typical overachieving Asian American kid and like in all the clubs and all that sort of stuff and drama club and whatever. Um, but I knew that I wanted to really be somewhere where I could learn and learn about other walks of life outside of the industry and um, outside of just LA because I feel like everything was just so shiny and manufactured and plastic feeling growing up here. Um, I sound, man, I sound like I'm just shitting on it now. <laughs> Sorry, That's everyone from Oak Park, California. It's no, I was very grateful for the experience because it was very cush. But I wanted to go somewhere not so cush. Um, I went to NYU, which is very cush in itself. So, I but at least I lived in the East Village. So I guess I am that like stereotype of like the privileged kid going to a privileged school in trying to slum it up in, in Manhattan, um, which sounds terrible right now when I'm saying it out loud. But yeah, I think I claimed those years because I learned a lot. I just met so many different kinds of people and and really felt like as soon as I got there and set foot in New York, I was already learning what kind of a hustle I wanted and, and the grind that I wanted and really, you know, finding myself. What did you study in college? Um, I studied communications with a minor in journalism. Um, with, I was, I think at the time I was really trying to become like a music publicist. <laughs> I really wanted to live That's that like cool. almost famous life and yeah, like travel yeah. with bands and write about them. Who didn't at that time? <laughs> I know. I think, I think that was what I really wanted. Um, and then I started doing it and I was like, wait a minute, public relations means it's just all <laughs> lies. <laughs> like, what is this? This isn't real. We're just spinning things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was a great program. I studied abroad too. I studied abroad in London and Amsterdam. And um, uh, it was a great program because it really got me to critique media and love it. So I read a lot. I watched a lot of movies, watched a lot of TV. But I was like, wait a minute, you can go to school for this? You can go to school for like just reading and consuming everything and having an opinion on it and and therefore trying to push it forward. And I don't think I've ever lost that. I went to school for it and I think I'm very much doing the same thing now. I think even the journalistic skills take, you know, um, they infuse comedy when I write for, you know, sketch and that sort of thing. So you said you did like drama club in yeah. high school, but when did you actually like say, okay, I really want to pursue this? Um, I really wanted to pursue it young. I started doing like commercials and commercial acting and community theater as a kid. I think that was a product of, again, growing up in an industry town where everyone was in like voice lessons and dance lessons and acting class on the weekend. And I was very grateful for that. Um, at the time, my parents were not feeling it. I feel like they did the typical Filipino parent thing and were like, no, get a real so degree. So who took you to your auditions and My classes? mom did, but very reluctantly. And then and then she just kind of stopped and like I went with other people's moms. So I very <laughs> much like growing up, I definitely feel like oh. I had three other moms and they were all, I had like my Jewish moms That's who took me with their kids and their That's daughters to dance and stuff like that because my mom's like, nah, not feeling it so I found a way I like wiggled around and you know hopped hopped a ride and jumped in the carpool and went with other people um but yeah I really I knew I wanted to be somehow involved in it early and I think the thing that stopped me was fear of not being good enough you know and um I think that still I have that to this day even though I've been in it for years and years but I think at the very onset you didn't think 
as an Asian American kid, as a Filipino American kid, as a woman, like this could be a career acting and writing and all that sort of good stuff and performing. Um, so a lot of that fear started younger and it stopped. And I think that's why I was like, what's the next best thing? Oh, watch all the movies instead of try and be in the movies and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's where it started from. The seed was planted very early. Hi guys, it's Tess here and I'm ready with another beauty blog for you. A lot of you guys have been writing me and asking me to do this really popular look that's trending these days. It's not strobing, it's not contouring, it is trumping. So I'm really excited to make your face great again. The first thing you're gonna need is to pick a concealer. And you wanna pick a concealer that is about 10 shades lighter than your skin tone. I personally like to use a shade that is called Veiled White Supremacy, but really you can just use any shade that's really light and makes you look really dehydrated. And so you went to college, you, mm -hmm. studied, you, you studied communications and journalism. And you did the PR thing for a little bit after that? Yeah, a tiny, tiny, tiny bit after that. Okay. Um, I uh, had spent, I did a bunch of PR internships. So that was th all the way throughout college. So I worked everywhere from like little music PR firms and like advertising agencies and stuff like that. And then right after I was even working as like an assistant publicist at a small firm and I would go and audition for things on my lunch breaks like I would or like go late and audition for something in the morning because you could still do these theater cattle calls for musical theater if you you know if any of you who've done musical theater in New York you used to go in the morning and just put your name on the list at like 6 45 a.m and wait for your 10 a.m appointment and go sing and dance and then you could be at work by 11 30 if you needed to and that was kind of what I was doing and um early on I got uh, and I got this um, non-union gig doing Miss Saigon, the play that I'm sure, you know, a lot of your listeners may be familiar with. So I did that musical for 10 months and got to travel a little bit. And it wasn't a lot of money by any means, but I was like, I'm living my dream. I'm out of college. And I, you know, instead of being in a junior publicist, I'm um, doing theater. So that was great. And then I came back to New York and I still had the PR skills. So I would do that freelance on the side and then leave and go do shows and still come back to have picking up a client here and there writing press releases doing copywriting and stuff like that whenever I was back in the city what was all that like it seems like almost like living to like a like a double life oh yes it was living a double life I very much felt that exact experience because there's something very youthful about and, and energetic about being in musical theater and and um you know because your job is to dance and smile and and do all that and then when you get back to work not that you have to be somber at work um but it was a very I was like working with like very stylish beauty clients and things like that so I would like put on my cool blazer and my red lipstick and pretend to be a publicist and I was actually pretty good at it I would I would write and and do that during the day and then go audition for musicals or you know keep up with my craft by going to acting class at night and I was doing all of it and um, I think it's partly the environment I think New York breeds um, that kind of a hustle and pace and I look back and I'm like I don't know how I did some of the things I did as far as like jobs auditions 
acting class, voice lessons, volunteering, you know, that oh, sort God, of class. like I yeah, well yeah, like volunteering oh, your time with casting agents, to, uh, casting wow. not agents, casting directors. Um and, and like helping them out with their workshops and things like that just to get FaceTime, you know. So I would do all that sort of stuff and not sleep essentially. <laughs> um and yeah, I think I still kind of have that hustle now, but now that I'm in LA, I at least try and take my Saturdays and Sundays off if I can. Um, but yeah, it was it was leading a dual life, but I I didn't quite know what the end was result was going to be. I just wanted to know if I could do it. I might as well try. Right. Yeah. And so I I think I still have that of like okay, if I think this is a possibility, I might as well try. So how did you end up moving from you said? musical theater yeah. to commercial acting and then television yeah um I think musical I was on the road for maybe two years doing um shows and I also sang and danced on a cruise ship for a while I and heard about great. this can you elaborate on that <laughs> you heard about this I did someone told me about this um yeah I used to I worked for Disney Cruise Line that's and I amazing was, I was Pocahontas on their ships oh, that was like my, my main thing but, you know, when they promote their shows, they're like, Broadway caliber shows and Disney <laughs> Cruise Line. So we did a show every night, sometimes three every day oh um, of like a matinee and two at night. And you would do a 45-minute musical a few times a day. Um, and they were huge. The, sh- the theaters themselves were big, like 800-seat theaters. So they were big on, the cr- on a ship. On a cruise ship? Yeah, it was Whoa. huge. And we had like, you know, special effects and hydraulics and like Jesus. things coming out. It was very elaborate. And it was like, you know, these the Disney Cruise Line is not cheap. Um, but yeah, I, for a while I was doing that. So I was like off on a boat in the Caribbean singing and dancing. And it was great for what it was. It was really, really great. But then as soon as I found myself back on land, I was like, all right, I think I'm <laughs> I think I've got the travel <laughs> done with um, at that point. And then I started doing commercials because, you know, if you're in this commercials, you can figure out kind of pay your bills if you are a commercial actor. Um, so I was doing that in New York and starting to just love being on set more and learning about that and really thinking, hey, I can do this. I think that's where it is. And I think it's also a product of um, where musical theater was at the time because, by the time you do Miss Saigon a few times, you're like, what else can I be in if I'm Filipino? That, you know, not every, you can't do Rodgers and Hammerstein or whatever. Not everyone's going to cast you in anything aside from, you know, certain roles. And so it was a product of the roles of not being available. And, and, but the thing that was more open to diversity was television, was commercials and TV. And still, that's how it is. I think it's just, you know, there wasn't a Hamilton back then. So now, now Broadway looks diverse, but it wasn't back then. Another day, another audition. Oh, Hanifa, I knew I would see you here. Oh my God, so good to see you. Hello, ladies. Okay, here's the deal. We are casting three roles today, so it could be a lucky day for all of you. Love it. Ayana Hampton from CAA, Hanifa Wood from Bumblebee Talent, and then Tess per, 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 per Paris. I don't know what that is. Is that Chinese? Is that Korean? Is that Thai? Is that American Samoan? It's whatever you want it to be. All right, Chinese. All right, just a few moments. You know what, girls? This is our lucky day. I'm gonna play the white girl's nerdy friend. Of course. Obviously. 
I'm gonna play the white girl's other friend who is sassy. Oh my god, you nailed that. But she can't have two black friends. Two black friends? It gets confusing. And so I'm left out. I play the co-star nanny. Yeah, leading ladies are quirky hipsters wearing vintage dresses, tiny pouty pixies, blue-eyed and precious. We don't care. We're Zoe Deschanel in our dreams, but every breakdown's like sassy sidekick, bitchy nerd, our neighbor, oversexed Asian, urban girls with flavor. We don't care. We'll take any job right now. We swear, and we're gonna be typecast. You have a YouTube video called Typecast, which is another parody of a mm-hmm. song, the Lord's Song Royals, but it's about women of color being typecast into roles at audition. Yeah, yeah. Very personal. <laughs> um, did this, like, how did you come up with this? Like, was this, like, you being just sick and tired of, like, being stereotyped into roles, or did was there, like, a big moment that was like, oh, God, I have to, like, make a video about this? Um, the, sto- the story of this video is really interesting because it came out of doing it live in front of the industry. So I, I did the sketch version of it, typecast, at the CBS Diversity Showcase a couple years ago in 2014. So um, CBS Diversity Showcase, the network puts on a showcase, and they pick, um, like, I think we had 22. Tw- they, they pick 22 actor comedians every year, um, people of color and people who um, identify as LGBT. And they um, put them in a showcase to demonstrate, you know, that there are faces out there that you can cast that are, you know, non-white cisgender people. Um, and it's a great group. Like, it's an amazing experience because you're essentially going to camp with you know, 20 other people who are like-minded and funny and share that same level of of experience in comedy and acting. And um, we did, uh, our show needed some musical numbers and they're like, let's put in some musical numbers and people were pitching musical sketches. And I'm like, well, that's what I do. Like I've performed musical sketches before. I come from a musical theater background. And there wasn't anything in the show at that time when we were looking at what the hour-long sketch show was going to be because essentially we're doing something that looks like Saturday Night Live but it's um, live on stage and then all these casting directors and producers come to it which is insane to me because it's at El Portal Theater in Burbank it's an industry theater like they do a lot of different kinds of showcases there Um, but it was I was like well we're not doing anything that kind of like points out what we would really be cast as like what kind of auditioning we're all getting because in this course of the diversity showcase everyone would leave for auditions and they would come back and would be like oh what did you go out for oh I went out for like you know this chick from the hood and I had to be like yeah and it's just like oh come on are we doing this are are we past this yet and and no the fact is we're not um but all these stories were accumulating and I'm like these all need to be somewhere you know and and I think it also comes from me not being a certain type either because all throughout showcase they're like wait a minute you're a leading lady but you're Filipino because you you're not necessarily the nerdy type and you're not necessarily like uh, the sidekick type and I'm like yeah well why can't you have a Filipino leading lady and you know I haven't seen that yet and I would love to and and hopefully I'm, I'm trying to put that into works and with my own work but um why don't I flip it on its head and poke fun and just write a, a very sarcastic song parody of being so thankful to be typecast <laughs> as like the model minority or as like the oversexed Asian or as the nurse or as mm-hmm. the maid or as this thug you know like these very loaded 
um, characters that we have in TV. So with that particular um, sketch, musical sketch, we did it at CBS Diversity Showcase in front of audience. And it was so frightening because I was like, are people going to like being made fun of? Like I'm straight up singing this song to your face live of being like, look what you did. <laughs> like, look what you're doing. And every single time we performed it for four nights, I believe. And every single time it was a standing ovation. And I, I even thinking about it now, I was like, I can't believe I did that. Like what kind of cojones did I have to do that? <laughs> but um, every single time it was a standing ovation. And after we had done it, some of my friends who had do- seen it live were like, you need to put that out there. Like it can't just be a live thing. So I started producing. I got together with um, Rebecca Johnson, who's an amazing director, producer, who I write with now. And she's one of my close friends. And she's an amazing um, creative to work with. I gave her the script. And she's like, let's just produce this. Let's put it together. So we location scouted, casted. It was great. It was amazing. And and all the people in it are fantastic. And they've all gone on since that video to do amazing things. And like, I, I love that. Um, but it was a very scary thing that I did live. I was able to test drive it and then to see that it got so much press buzz on YouTube and, and that sort of stuff. It, it was very rewarding to see that I wasn't saying anything new, but I was saying it and it was on people's minds. And I feel like it really contributed to that conversation that we have now um, about diversity in the media, in television and in movies. And I think that's always going to be um, a conversation that we have. Um, but I'm glad that I was able to contribute to it. West Covina, California. In my soul, I feel a fire because I'm heading for the pride of the Inland Empire. My life's about to change. Oh my gosh. Because I'm hopelessly, desperately in love. West Covina. I am really lucky right now to be on a show that features a Filipino cast. Um, I'm I'm recurring on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on the CW. And I saw how that happened. And that, and a, a lot of stories are like this. The breakdown will go out and it will be for something, whether it be, it'll be for like non-white anything, any ethnicity. And then somebody will audition for it and they'll be Filipino and they'll get it and then they'll have to cast around them. So in this case, the role was written for someone who was Chinese for the role of Josh Chan to be Chinese. And um, I'm, I'm Rachel Bloom, the executive producer and creator of the show, who is also my friend. I remember when she texted me and she's like, um, dude, the guy that we really like is Filipino. Can we still keep this last name? And I was like, yeah, there's a Filipino basketball player with that last name. I guess you could. You're and like the consultant. I, wa- like like the I was the unofficial at the time. Consultant. At the time, I was the unofficial consultant because it was That's a text amazing. message. She was like, can I keep this last name? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, and and uh, so then she built the family around him. She was like, OK, this guy auditioned. He's great. And I have a friend who is on a similar thing. The sh- uh, uh, my friend Nico Santos, he's on NBC Superstore. That pilot season, that role was written for a Latino character. It was always written as Mateo is the first name, but his agent got him in or what, you know, whatever it was. And it's written for Filipino. I have yet to see outside of Crazy X and outside of Grimm, the show I did previously, I have yet to see breakdowns that say Filipino American on them. I think 
TV is more reactive than film, I will say that. So I think you see more people who are willing to write diverse roles. But I also think that, you know, things get, if they're in the zeitgeist, then people pay attention. So for example, I'm going to use our friend Randall Park, you know, (laughs) like I'm going to use that for an example. I don't know if he realizes this and I'll tell him because I might see him, but I'm like, I don't know if he realizes this, but when he got fresh off the boat and he was in um, the interview, a lot of roles came out in breakdowns for Korean men. Really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's because it became hip to be a Korean guy because they knew what Korean men looked like because you could be a type, right? So I was like, I don't know if he knows, but like that's starting to happen. Like as soon as somebody becomes known, then then it becomes like, okay, then you can accept that, you know, and then it becomes a little in the zeitgeist and people start to write to it. They're like, okay. And I was like, there was a time where like every male Asian role, there was like Korean male, think Randall Park. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Did it actually say think Randall Park? A couple were, but a oh. couple of them were also like, you're, you could you're tell. basically saying yeah, yeah. like the, they're basically saying the template for this is yeah. Randall Park. But I'm like, I want that to happen for a Filipino woman. I want that to happen, you know, more often for everybody just because people need to know what we are before they start writing them into things or have Filipino Americans write for television and be able to sell that idea to networks. And so I'm trying to attack it from both ends of like, yeah, I'm going to, yes, every script I write is going to have a Filipino American like lead. Probably the majority of them will because my stories have not been told. Our stories have not been told yet. Um, And I'm just going to keep doing that until I annoy everyone in this town or somebody does it. (laughs) Until you start seeing the breakdown. Filipino woman, think Tess Perot. Right? That's what I want. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Once you get that, you're right? like, you've made it. Right. You've done right. it. Not you've done even the there deed. yet. Think you can retire. Yeah, but right now, it's just like YouTube videos, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's like, you know, people are calling it historic for, you know, to have actual Filipino-Americans in a show, an actual Filipino-American family. I mean, what's it like being a part of the show? And can you talk a little bit about like, cause you know, Rachel Bloom mm-hmm. kind of were with her from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, she started doing, um, YouTube and that was around the same time I got, we moved to LA around the same month. So the way that it, the weird way that it worked was I moved in to a house with, um, I shared a, with a couple of guys who were also in comedy. And one of those guys happened to be her music producer. And he's like, you got to meet my roommate. She sings and she does musical theater. So Rachel and I met and we became fast friends because of the, we would just geek out on musical theater stuff. Like we would watch that show Smash on our couch. Like we <laughs> oh would be like, come yeah. over and watch Smash. So <laughs> and like, so we would like, you know, talk about that stuff and, and geek out on musical theater. And all the while she was doing the YouTube thing. She was writing on Robot Chicken. And oh, even before that, before she was on Robot Chicken, all this other stuff. So, um... But she was doing shows at UCP that she would bring me in and loop me in on those and we would perform live. And um, so she was able to really push the envelope and get her thing out. And that's musical comedy. Like she's a she's a musical comedy genius. Let's face it. Like the stuff that she has on YouTube is amazing. And and to be able to serendipitously meet her and start working with her at when she was on YouTube has been great. And um, so in the course of the show all of our friends were somewhat somewhat involved somehow like um we have a lot of 
because you kind of keep your team, you know? If you can do great music together and it works for YouTube, you would hope to elevate everyone at the same time. I think that's my dream as well, like to find all the amazing people that I produce with now and let us all go and elevate together. And she's really been generous in doing that. Like she'll give me feedback on my writing and all that sort of stuff. So I think she really um, is just a stellar friend and person. Um, but the way that it happened was she sold the show. I, I, she had me sing on the pilot. Um, so a lot of the backup vocals that you hear are my voice, which is really fun. And then this role came up and there was an opportunity to play Joss's sister. So that came up and we built out the whole family. So, um, it's just the, the, when we did the Thanksgiving episode, I was like, that's the, I don't know if they've had a Filipino Thanksgiving on TV before. So like we're shooting it and we're in this house and even the house is set decorated like a Filipino household. Cause there's like fans, like fans everywhere. There's like, like all the little things that you would see in a house, like all, all, even just like wood, like the big wooden fork and spoon, like all the like tchotchkes and things that you would see in your own Filipino home. Um, a lot of like, Catholicism happening like like there's just like it was like going to mass going to mass yeah even it was going to mass was in the script of like after dinner we're all going to go to mass and there's like dinaguan and like karekare and like everything just out on the table eating lumpia and seeing extras there were like 40 extras on set that day of like all these little kids and and multi-generational and I was looking around I'm like this looks real this looks like when your house is full of people on Thanksgiving and there's little kids running around and everyone's just sitting wherever and eating their lumpia and pancit and I'm like this is gonna be on TV like this is a huge part of every Filipino's life and this is gonna be on TV and no one has seen this before so that's when I just really felt it. And Renee Goubet is the uh, is the um, producer on the show, um, writer on the show, who is Filipino and he speaks to that voice and he's awesome. He's an amazing comedian. Um, and he was basically, you know, he wrote that episode and he also um, wrote our season finale as well. Um, yeah, and it's just the the historical part is just like every time we do something on the show, we're like, that's never been done before. That's never been done before. Oh, why? Because we're Filipino and no one has pointed a camera at us yet. You know, yeah. Yeah, for such a large minority group in America, that's insane that that hasn't happened. Filipinos, Filipino Americans are the largest Asian American group in California. Yeah. So it's like we never see them on TV. Right. The Crazy Ex-Girlfriend season finale is this Monday night on the CW. The story revolves around Tessa's character, Jayma Chan's wedding. Filipino singer and actress Lea Salonga will guest star on the show. I asked Tess what it was like working with the Broadway star. Lea is huge, you know, and uh, obviously you just want to work with your heroes and you want to meet them and hope that they're cool. And she was so cool. She was so cool. I think like I just I I I'm thinking about shooting it and, you know, we always have our little area where the actors go when we're on location. So we have our little cast chairs set up on location. And um, there was a moment we're all sitting down in our cast chairs. And I was like, first of all, there's so many Asians in these cast chairs right now. There's so many Filipinos in these cast chairs. And we're sitting in our little area. Amy Hill is on one side. Leia Salonga is to the other side. And I'm just like looking at these two ladies being like, I'm, 
I get to hang with you. Like, this is great. And Leia doing all of her stuff and shooting all of her stuff. She's so funny. And obviously her voice makes me cry. But like, she's so funny and hip and with it. And there's even this moment where she's singing and she looks at me like our characters, right? So there's this moment where her character looks at my character while she's singing. And I I was supposed to be touched, but I was like for real touched. You're like, like dying inside. I was like, that's not <laughs> acting. Like I'm real. My eyes are misting up and I was like really looking. <laughs> I was really looking. Because she was like looking at me and singing. And I was like, no, I'm really like melting. <laughs> like this is real. Like I'm not acting right now I was like that's problem that's on film it's gonna look like I'm the best actress ever Love but it. that's just me really melting when like Liz singing and like looking at me I'm like I'm dying that was method you that dying, was real drawing from like, your like I was like no I for, I for real got caught up that's awesome yeah it's so cool so watch crazy ex-girlfriend season finale if there would be one thing that you would share for you know people who kind of want to do things like you comedy writing acting what's something that you've learned like a piece of wisdom or advice or whatever it is that you would like share with people coming up? Um, I am big on studying. Like, I think that, I don't know if that just comes from like traditional academia or whatever and being a good student and being the Asian in me. I don't know if that just comes from, but I'm really all about reading everything you can. If you want to be a writer or watching everything you can, um going to take class take workshops go to all the things that people say you should go to you know some of them are great some of them are terrible but either way you have that in your arsenal like I'm still big in the studying I still do it myself like I'm in acting class every week you know that I can go to and like um even if I'm not auditioning for a particular role I'm like reading other scripts just so I know the tone of shows that are out now um, and I'm always looking at work and trying to find people that I love and heroes and stuff like that. Like I, I have favorite shows that I'm watching, all that sort of stuff and just learn everything that you can. Like I think in LA, the thing that really puts me off is when people don't do that stuff and they're like, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I was like, well, are you paying attention? Are you, you know, doing yeah. all that? And I'm like, you know, let's, let's back up here. Um, and, and really pay attention and make stuff great because they're I, I just if you're gonna do something try and try and aim for great and I think that's something that I'm I'm trying to do in my own that's what I, that's just the voice that is in my head if you're gonna do something try and aim for great um or better know, or better <laughs> yeah just better than the last one you know you're gonna mess up and you're gonna make stuff that's not good I've shown so many great people sh- like my shittiest stuff thinking that it was good and I was like oh I'm embarrassed but like you have to how else are you gonna learn so it's like okay just keep doing your homework keep doing the thing that's all that's not very articulate at all no but that's very good advice (laughs) keep learning never stop learning yeah man all right well thank you so much for being on the show thank you can't wait to see the season finale (laughs) that was Tess Paras for more on her work, check out fthisweekly.com. You can visit her YouTube channel at youtube.com slash test2baby or her Twitter at testparas. If you like what you heard, then subscribe to F This Weekly podcast on iTunes and rate and review it. Please rate and review it. Get effed up in your inbox by signing up for the newsletter at fthisweekly.com slash getfedup. The music in this episode of F This Weekly is by Uffy and Poddington Bear. Thanks for tuning in to F This Weekly. Catch ya next week. <laughs>